1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. Music. Horror. Art. Politics. Bad-assery. Welcome.
2: This is Mr. Pink of the Society 13 Podcast Network, and you are listening to Kettle Whistle Radio with Heather and Dave. The only place I come for the music, macabre, and movies.
1: K-O-K-W calling. I'm on international frequency. Come in.
2: Up again. It <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is this what does this represent? Uh, because this isn't just about soda. Hello, beans. This is
0: Dave and hello. Don't judge me. Don't judge
1: me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard.
0: Testy, Testy, one, two. And how about you? Oh. Yeah, is that so? No, well, we got a new one on the third rail today. Meet Jet, our new puppy, our boxer lab of nine weeks. I keep saying eight to nine months because I'm an idiot. But she's here sitting on the third rail, and uh, we're going to have a guest here shortly, too. So hang in. How you doing, Jet? We good? Chewing the bone. What's doing? Yeah, we'll have more intelligent conversations coming up. Or more of the same. <laughs> Alright, welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio. I have my friend Paul Wardleman back again, author Extraordinaire, Music Aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my uh maker of everything creative when we were kids um definitely helped me along the way we'll just say whether it was comic books writing music you name it we we did it all oh puppet shows i dare say
2: and we live to tell the tale
0: we lived to tell and paul is back again to tell the tale again i don't know why he came back but he's here i have a puppy in my lap as you heard earlier uh jet our newest addition uh, she- hey jet <laughs> we are attached at the hip literally and she was chewing my headphone wires here. Okay, not anymore. So anyway, all right, so much. I, first of all, I was impressed with, uh, I'm overwhelmed with your, uh, your Mike Nesmith information and story that you may or may not want to tell.
2: Oh, gosh, that was, um, that was quite a coup on, on, on my part. Uh, both uh, Veronica and I were online with everybody in the tri-state area trying to score backstage passes oh uh, to his event in uh, New Jersey and it was it, it took it took an hour uh, and a half i think oh my god um, so both of us had patients of, of the same. My mother was in, was in the, uh, the other room, and she said, I would have given up a long time ago. But well, Bob, it's, it's Nez, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, as, and, we, uh, as
0: people may or may not know, he's one, sort of in a recluse in, on in the monkey scene. And I, I, I mean, I, I saw the monkeys without him, and that was now going back about seven or eight years, and he really wanted nothing to do with them. He was doing his own thing. Well,
2: well, it, you know it's it's funny because that, that that comes up a lot, okay. and that came up last year. Uh, I don't know if you heard about the monkeys convention.
0: I did. Yes.
2: Yeah, and so last year Peter and Mickey were there, and this year it's Mike is is going, and wow. and Mickey's there as well uh, for this year. But last year everyone kept asking Mickey that question as well as Peter, and mm. um, when Mike rejoin them for their tours and, of course, going back on the road himself. um, You know, they all said, and this is true, Mike wasn't just not doing monkey stuff. He didn't do anything. Right. He, he, the past 20 years, he's just kind of kept to himself and, uh, you know, running his various businesses and, uh, but he wasn't really recording any solo material, at least nothing commercially available. He wasn't touring. Um, he just kind of stopped doing everything in the early 90s after he had come out with that album, Tropical Campfires. So it wasn't just that he wasn't hanging out with the monkeys. He wasn't doing much on his own either. There was a brief reunion in 96 when the four of them did an album called Just Us, um, which came and went,
1: Yeah,
2: uh, which is a real shame because I, I think there are a lot of good tunes on there. And it is... The four of them wrote their own music. They performed everything themselves, and it literally is just the four of them. And uh, you know, and Mickey has the uh, the lion's share of the work, as he should, you know, because he really was the lead singer of the group. And uh, yeah, I think it's 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 an underappreciated, underrated album, and uh, it, it just really didn't go anywhere.
1: Yeah, I, and
2: I, I, when the four of them went on tour uh-huh. in Europe. Uh, or England, I think it just was, in roughly 96, 97, something happened and Mike dropped out before they came to the States. So was it was very any, close um, to the four of them having an American reunion.
0: In any animosity there with Davy Jones? Was there something going on there, like while he was around?
2: I, I've heard so many. Different variations yeah. of this, and of course, Davy's not here to talk about right, it. Right? Yeah. So that's and all, yeah. Uh, Mike said that he never had a problem with Davy. Okay, okay. You know, Mike has gone on record as as saying he and Davy got along fine. So, um, you know, not being one of them, I can't really comment one way or the other.
0: You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. No, I understand. Um, well, no. So, any more input on Mr. Nesmith for us?
2: Well, um, he is just such, he's a very humble guy, you know. I mean, you, you, you get, and it, like we were just talking about, you know, you get all these rumors about him being a recluse and him, you know, uh, having uh, some kind of animosity towards uh, monkeys or monkeys fans or whatever. But, you know, in person, he does not come across like that at all. And, and, and during the, the performances, I mean, he's just so appreciative.
0: Is that you or me? Can we pause for a moment? Getting... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I'm getting a call too. I think yeah, it's like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood here today. Right. right, hold right on. Let me go get the get the doors. Probably Mr. McFeely. <laughs> okay. All right. Back again. And Paul, you were, we were talking about Mike Nesmith there.
2: Yeah. So. Uh... Uh, meeting Nez was just a, uh, obviously, you know, an amazing experience for me for, you know, I've been listening to him for close to 30 years, uh, regularly. And, um, you know, his presence on the stage, I mean, the, the smiles, the, he, this is kind of all oh, shucks, shrugging and, and, genuine affection. I mean, you know, he knows how to connect with his audience as, as, as in his solo music. I mean, he just his his unique brand of cosmic cowboy country rock. I mean, he just, you know, going back 50 years, including his Monkey students And, and uh, there, there, there's just a, a unique vitality to, to his music and his performances. And, and that really connects him with, with the audience. I and mean, when we got to meet him backstage... You know, you saw that. He was, he was just very humble and down to earth. And, and he seemed genuinely had that opportunity. That's nice uh, to hear. You know, cause it was more, you know, he didn't call them backstage, them con passes. <laughs> and so, and you know, because the ones that we went to, I mean, New Jersey was oversold. They were supposed to be, I think only 20 or 25 passes per event. And there was probably about double, you know, um, but he honored he honored them all. He honored everybody. That's cool. And, and he took a moment to make eye contact, talk to you, you know, who are you? What do you do? You know, what do you, what do you think of the show? Um, everything. And, uh, he was very generous with, with having, uh, posing for photographs, very generous for, you know, anything you wanted to have signed. And just to take a moment to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, he was just a really, really, very nice gentleman, and uh, everyone I know who's met him uh, has said the same thing.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's good to hear. Because after all these years, it was kind of a quest for you. So that, yeah, that's good. it
2: was it was it was like it was like my Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Truly,
0: yeah, it's nothing like meeting you know your your, your idols and then you know and turning out to be assholes. So. I mean,
2: uh, yeah, it was just. Uh... Yeah, I've, I've had those experiences. I, yeah,
0: I wouldn't know what to expect from him, uh, I, honestly. And you, now you also, we talked last time, you met Ray Bradbury, too. And didn't you meet him
2: briefly? I met Bradbury yeah. in 98. Right. Uh, it was at DragonCon, um, And it was the, uh, my first short story had been published. And it okay. was debuting there. And I remember going, going to uh, Bradbury's panel. Right, and of course, you know he's addressing the whole audience and everything. And afterwards, what what of course happens at cons is you you have various <laughs> types of fans. You have people who are there to listen to the panelists, to pick up tchotchkes or whatever, and, and the people who just go specifically for autographs and these people will stand on lines
0: yes, for days for hours on end.
2: <laughs> so what happened was after the panel, I mean it wasn't even two minutes before you went over to the room where Bradbury was gonna be signing, the line was closed. So there were people who obviously skipped his talk and just waited for him to sign. So I'm standing there and a couple other people join me from the panel and they're all like, What's going on? Oh well you know the line's closed. Oh, boy. And the security guys, like you know, eh, that's it. You know, so we all said, you know what, we're waiting. And we just stood there. And the next thing you know, a giant line formed behind us. <laughs> and we're hanging out. We're talking about Bradbury's works. We're sharing trail mix. You know, it was just like this <laughs> gathering.
0: Trail mix and, then, and, and Bradbury. Yet, and
2: yet another person come up to us. Who are you waiting for? And we're like, oh, Ray Bradbury. Who's that? Uh. I just—I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I've had
0: those moments too. Trust me.
2: Uh, and it turned out when we explained who he was, the woman's like, "Oh, I'm just here to meet Xena actors." And I'm "Oh, like, good, oh, that's cool. You know, that, I, I have no problem with Xena actors. More power to you." You know, well, oh, that's oh, when—that's no. when
0: you should have said, "Well, that was yesterday." <laughs> <laughs>
2: and uh, so, anyway, uh, we're waiting, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're like, "Oh, Mr. Bradbury has agreed. You know, that he's going to sign more." And which, to me, was incredibly generous of yes. him. It, it, yes. He did not have to do that.
0: Nope. No, he did and not.
2: So, and, and in a similar situation like, like uh, with Nez, I mean, we, I think I was the third in line at that point. So we get up there, and uh, I had my copy of Zen and the Art of Writing, which if, if you haven't read it and your listeners haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It is Bradbury's inspiring get-off-your-butt-and-write you nice. know, inspirational guide. So I handed it to him and I said, I just want to tell you how much this inspired me to write, etc." And he stopped. Now there's probably about 300 people behind me. He looked at me and said, oh, so you've written, have you been published? <laughs> I said, in fact, my very first story is being published here. Oh, what is it being published in? And I told him, and, uh, he asked me how old I was, and I I told him my age. He looked at me and said, My God, I'm your granddad. (laughs) And he stuck out his hand. (laughs) And as, and it was even more poignant because my own grandfather, who you knew,
0: passed away a year
2: before. And, uh, if I can get a little weird here, you know, to me, it was like, my grandfather was seeing my publication through Ray Bradbury's
0: eyes. Hey, that's a short story in itself. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. No, I, I'm firm, a firm believer in symbols and symbolism and uh, coincidences that aren't coincidences. I, I've had some recent things happen that are just beyond words. So, yeah, I think your grandfather was there with you that day. Yeah. Wow, that's that's wild, man. That's great. That's a great story. I love that story. You told yeah, me it, it was, off the it air last, was, last yeah. time, but uh, yeah. Um, Well, let's see, uh, not to change subjects, it's hard to come back after that one. Uh, (laughs) We were talking about Ender's Game, and Orson Scott Card, who is less gracious of an individual from what I hear, Um, I enjoyed the movie version, and I've read five of the books of the series. Um, Now, you read them, you did not see the movie yet.
2: I I haven't seen the movie, I I did read Ender's Game, Um, actually fairly recently, Um, Um, a couple of, maybe four or five years ago, I found a copy and, and uh, said, oh god, this is a classic, I really should read this. And, great, and uh, yeah. I, I certainly enjoyed it quite a, a bit. Good book. Uh, my familiarity with Card, actually, I started with his um, Alvin Maker books. Hmm. Um, so that those were my introduction to his work, actually. So uh, Ender's Game, uh, like a whole pile of classic science fiction that I have yet to get to, was oh, yeah. one of those I got to later.
0: Well, I I'm, I was not disappointed by the movie. I went with three, uh, two other guys, I should say, and all of us were fans of the entire um, story of Ender. And, um... One of the three of us did not like the movie at all. He was uh, less than thrilled. My my buddy Matt, uh, he'll probably listen to this. He wasn't happy with it. Um, me and uh, Fa, my other buddy, we, we walked out there with smiles on our faces. And you know, uh, Harrison Ford's in it. Ben Kingsley is Mazer Rackham. Um, There's a lot of scenes I didn't expect to see that were in it. Uh, the the battle room uh, was incredible. You know where they, they where they're teaching them how to fight. Right with no zero gravity. That uh, great scene. It was just like when you're reading it. It was right there. And the, the characters, the kids, were pretty right on. There are people that will differ with me. I thought that, I thought Ender was a good pick too. I forget the kid's name, but um, it's it's a fun movie. I own the Blu-ray now. I I, I'm, I intend to watch it again.
2: Oh, cool. So, so um, what did your friend uh, not like about it? He uh, just certain continuity uh, between scenes
0: or scenes that were missing things they didn't. And the things they didn't do things they did do I um, I don't want to like spoil it for anybody so I mean it's a hard book to follow uh, play by play I right sure yeah sure. I, it took them this long to make it it was worth the wait I mean just like you couldn't make Spider-Man 15-20 years ago and make right, it look right. real you know like see that's mm-hmm. the thing and I know you agree with me like um, especially with movies like Pacific Rim you know it's the best parts of anime superheroes and comic books and, and uh, kaiju monsters all in one place this was unf- just unfathomable for us as when we were in 7th and 8th grade. You know, we, we could not, it was not going to happen. You're not going to see this on the big screen and have it look real. You know? Right, right. Who could yeah, think of a, li- a live-action Voltron? That just wasn't going to happen.
2: Exactly. Not not without it looking basically like a, a Godzilla movie or
0: uh, Ultraman.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah.
0: which they have their place. I'm not putting them down either. But when oh, you no, go no, yeah, not at all. Yeah, when... I mean,
2: I have great affection for for uh, you know those movies and old school, uh, you know, special effects to begin with. I mean, you know, we yes. lost Ray, Ray Harryhausen last year. Yes. And, uh, I'm still, you know, devastated.
0: You, Paul, you got to check out the documentary on Netflix. Uh, it's Ray Harryhausen. It's just his life's work.
2: Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Look, look it up. Uh, see well, if you can find it. it.
2: Yeah. If you have, I, have Netflix. I got to meet him fairly briefly. Really? Actually, oh, uh, wow. Gosh, how long ago was that? Um, oh, that was a while back. He had published. You know, I'm just going to run over and grab it off. The All right, sure. Uh, he published a book called... Uh, you know, coffee table book called An Animated Life. Nice. And he was selling it at... Uh, and I got it signed, of course. He was selling it at, in uh, the city at this event he was doing. Um, 2010. So... Well, it was first published in Great Britain in 2003. And this has a 2010 copyright, I think. Just a master. So, yeah, so, it was like four years ago, I guess, or five. And what they were doing in the city... Uh, New York was. Um, they were showing Jason and the Argonauts, <laughs> and he was there to talk about it afterwards. And they had also um, he had done in uh, uh, many years ago, I guess back in the fifties, probably. He was doing uh, uh, like fairy tale anim- animation and uh, or fables, and he had done the Tortoise and the Hare, but he only did like half of it. Before he got called on to do some movie work. Well, these two guys who were studying stop motion animation somewhere in California learned that this project had was incomplete. So they looked up Ray and said, We would love to finish this. Oh, wow. Ray still had the models.
0: Oh that's, that's his grunge,
2: awesome. <laughs> And let these two guys Have them. They okay. completed the work. It's fairly seamless. You're not really sure where Ray stopped and the two of them began. Nice. And they showed that on the big screen as well. And it was fantastic. And Ray brought the models with him. He had uh you'll appreciate this. He had the Medusa from Clash of the Titans. Oh man. Uh, why am I suddenly popular <laughs> today? We're gonna have to pause
0: again. It happens. all right uh, take a break for station identification.
2: Yeah, that's my mom. Hold on a second. <laughs>
0: So flashback to our own 80s, uh, I decided to play a little Marcus Hoff, once again, Marcus Hoff, H-O-F, uh, I believe from Germany, but he's playing in the UK for all I know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, his friends that I've met are from the UK, of course, and uh, they, uh, I don't know, they, they, he sent me this whole slew of, uh, this CD in the mail, and it's, it's synth pop, that was back in 1989, the song, and I really enjoyed it. And he said that was filler for his album. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> what are you going to do? But yeah, so I believe he originally is uh, of German descent. He speaks fluent German. I know that. <laughs> so, but yes. Uh, then the the rest of the crew there um, that I've been playing, uh, they were from England actually, like Jet Noir, who I met Marcus Hoff through, and just a just br- brilliant people.
2: That's great. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, you know, throwback to synth pop. And I, I know, like, you had a little, little Pet Shop Boys in you back in the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, the, uh, the big synth pop band I was into was the Thompson Twins.
0: Bingo. Oh, yeah. Which
2: I, I know, you know, people are probably throwing things at the radio right now. Oh, it?
0: they no, they threw them directly at me. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm all
2: right with that. Um, I don't know that there was just something about... Those songs, and, and, and if you go, uh, you know, if you go back into Thompson Twins history, um, I mean, they originally started off as this band of like 10 to 13 people all playing different instruments. Right. And, uh, and they were, you know, they played dance music. And then when they kind of, uh, you know, called the herd, so to speak, and went down to the trio, they started doing the, the, these pop hits yeah. that were, uh, they were just fun. They were just fun stuff, and, and to me, uh, they, were, they were they were musical. I yes. mean, that's what, you know, okay, oh, it's just electronic and it's noise. And it's like, no, there were lyrics and, 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 and there was melodies and, you know, and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember who, which reviewer said this, but Tom Bailey, the lead singer of the Thompson Twins. Someone said his vocal on Hold Me Now was so earnest <laughs> And so sincere, that, you, you know, you, you believed it, right? You know, and uh, and again, you know, when we were listening to these songs, we were 12, twelve, thirteen. So of yeah. course, didn't mean you know, that much to us, but it, it was yeah, popular. You get these yeah. emotional connections, right? In your, <laughs> yes. and then you know, and then when you're older, and you look back on them and everything, and yeah, you can, you know, oh, you could be cynical and say, oh God, this is silly. I can't believe what I listened to back when I was a kid, or you can mm. look at it through. An adult size exactly. and say, you know what, this is what
0: it is. It's good music. I, yeah, I got the Thompson Twins' greatest hits, I'm not afraid to say. Okay. Um, and The Flood uh, by Marcus Hoff, the whole album of The Flood, like it's very emotionally driven and all arranged. I believe he does everything he has like this. He always shows these sets of keyboards on Facebook now and then. I don't know if you friended him yet, but you should. He's he's pretty interesting dude.
2: Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, look him up. Time. Yeah,
0: Marcus Hoff, H-O-F. He's on my friends H-O-F. too. Good guy. Okay. I think you guys could talk for hours, tell you the truth
2: yeah yeah mm-hmm. that, that would be fun yeah.
0: <laughs> Definitely. now the other band I sent you is a pittsburgh based band called Shutterdown that's uh, no uh stranger to these airwaves is christy drummer who uh also plays in uh plays in wings for armor which was one of our first bands we ever put on here and uh boy i, I really uh, very clean sound and i, I love the the vocals um, uh,
2: yeah uh the bring the silence yeah, yeah. uh she's got just that's a re- uh, you know set of amazing voice yeah yeah. And, uh, and it you rocks know, you too. Definitely tell the because uh, uh, she brings the emotion, like what yes. we were just talking about. You know, mm-hmm. behind that vocal. And okay.
0: Well, you did get that song right. I sent that to you, and you you were yeah, able to. Yeah. Good. good. I'm glad I you enjoyed did. that. Well, we'll close the show with that in a little bit. Uh, me and Paul got into these tangents uh, when we again. You know, his mom calls, my dad calls, and I got a dog on my lap. You know, life just sort of happens all around this show. Um, and uh, we were talking about comic books and all these crazy angles and just you know just how they couldn't you know make these things back in the day and make them look real and uh how some i mean you were talking Dave? about doc ock you there did i lose you <laughs> yeah
2: yeah you you, you uh you, you uh faded out for a moment but uh, i okay. think
0: i gotta get back <laughs> Well, we're talking just about doc ock you talk about you know how his character uh has changed transcended and come back again full circle
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, um, as I said, I, I think in the film, Alfred Molina just really did the character justice. He, uh, you know, uh, to liken it to the music we were just talking about, it was an emotional arc, you know, <laughs> that they, they, they put his wife in there. And so, you know, it added to actually a poignancy of yes. the character, you know. I mean, here was a guy who was happily married and, and really wanted to benefit mankind, and right. so, so everything went to hell on him. As it can happen to anybody in life.
0: But you made a really interesting point. You know, uh, just we're going to stray from the music at this point completely. How we were talking about all the, you know, just the Hollywood revamping things. And um, you saw four movies last summer, and you said it was like they were each written Uh, by a different. uh, Man of Steel,
2: Star Trek Into Darkness, Iron Man Three, and The Wolverine. And and I thought all four of those movies had really excellent first two acts. But yeah. by the third act, all four of those movies fell apart. I thought so too, um, and it's a shame uh, that because I felt um, that all those films had two different directors when it came to the third act, and, and uh, so whether that was producer, studio, people who you know were watching the dailies and said, "Okay, let's let's ramp this up," um, and it just it, it it took me out of it, and I think. Uh, you know that's that's the big big problem mm-hmm. with a lot of films uh, in in the genre works and why a lot of people in our age group um, or and older uh, are find themselves dissatisfied.
0: Yes, mm-hmm.
2: with these with these films. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's great that the technology is there, but and the the emotions can missing. Be envisioned, but a lot of the yeah, a lot of the emotional. Uh, character arcs seem to be missing and right. shuffled under the carpet.
0: And that's what that's it, well, like when I'm listening to these bands, and these are local bands or not so local bands, but these guys are doing it independently themselves, minus the produ- the big production, and there's something more real about it, and I can't listen to FM radio anymore. Even mm-hmm. Sirius XM, I love my XM radio, but they're getting a little too repetitive. I, I look for guys like Marcus Hoff, I look for bands like Shutterdown. and I even had played my first rap well, rap group in a while this past show, and they're really good. FB, um, they very that's it, a Pittsburgh-based rap group, but there's pure emotion there, and they're not really listening to anybody. They're doing what they want, and that's what I find is great. Now, these movies, these big-time movies we're talking about, like you said, e- each one of those movies looked like they were done by two different directors. How much passion could be in that for the, <laughs> for them if they, you know, they change, they do this complete turnaround halfway through the movie?
2: Exactly. I, I mean. Um you know, but we also, we can't imagine, and I'm certainly not coming to their defense, even though it's going to sound like I am, you know, but it, it's like they are dealing with millions and in some yes. certain cases billions of dollars. And it's like they need to capture the largest audience as quick as humanly possible. Right. And obviously people who are in the industry who are a hell of a lot more knowledgeable than I am about these things, you know, you always, these articles always show up about, Hollywood accounting. Where's the money going? I mean, they're as bad as the government. We have no idea. What Seriously, and it, it, you know. So if if it doesn't, you know, oh, if it doesn't make it on the first weekend, it's a failure, or or what what have you. And despite <laughs> ancillary cable broadcasts and DVD and Blu-ray sales, et cetera, et cetera. And so you know, it, it, it's they're so desperate,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
2: And when we were growing up, and and I hate. The Phrase I hate sounding like my parents and my grandparents, but <laughs> you know, you know, it's like movies did have an opportunity, as did music, as did books, to grow an audience, right? Um, right he could right. be in the theater <laughs> for six months, these days, it's like two months before the thing's available on home video. It's,
0: oh, you're so right,
2: yes, it's depressing, yeah,
0: quite. it really it's, is, it uh, is,
2: especially because the movie. You know, the theater experience is not what it used to be. And and Mm -hmm. it's not just the costs. It's. And again, hate to be the old man, get off my lawn, kids, but, you know, put away the bloody phones.
0: (laughs) Yeah, seriously. You know, really. I I agree. I agree.
2: Is your life that. You know, sad that you you really can't turn that thing off for two hours. I mean, really? I just don't understand that. But again, I I have to take the other viewpoint. I am not growing up with this technology. I don't know what it's like not, you you know, to not have this technology be so prevalent in my life. (laughs) I read a really sad article uh, two weeks ago, and I can't remember what site it was on, but I know it was linked to wired.com. Okay. And it was about this woman and, and the, uh, uh, the headline of the article was why women are not allowed on the internet. What? (laughs) Huh? Okay. I'm like, all right. And, and I kind of suspected what this was about, but I opened it up and this is the, uh, the author of this article. I, I, You know, she's some. uh, I think she's a a psychologist or something, and and she or or a columnist of some sort, and she talks about uh, male-female relationships and sexuality, etc. And apparently, people who disagreed with her opinions um, in the comment sections, well, of course, because they can hide their identities under this anonymity, and you know, not only insult her and curse her out but basically threaten her life wow and she was saying she got these horrible she's on twitter and of course she's like follow me on twitter and she's getting these like death threats
0: twitter is mean uh mean-spirited medium i'm not a fan of it Uh, i I use it but yeah
2: yeah, it, it's it's weird. So she's getting like these death threats on Twitter. So she goes to the police, understandably, you know, what can I do about this? And, and the police uh, that she spoke to, um, you know, the sympathy only goes so far. You know, it's like, well, you know, you're you, this is kind of like a public thing. This is what happens. And one of them said to her, you know, stay off of Twitter. Wow. Right now, I can understand that's not a helpful response. But her reaction to that was, to me, just as disturbing as everything else she was talking about. Because her reaction was, you know, them telling me to stay off of Twitter and and get off of Facebook is, like, saying to me, I shouldn't see my family. And I'm like, whoa. You're losing
0: rights that everybody else seems to have. (laughs) What the hell is that?
2: It's like, but wait a minute. It's like, are you saying your electronic connections are your family? It, you know, it's like, this This is Phil K. Dick's nightmare come to life. <laughs> all we are doing, it's, it's like, that is not real interaction. I mean, I, I love technology as much as the next guy, and I'm glad we're connected. You and I found each other yeah. over Facebook. I'm grateful for all of that kind of thing. But, you know, you and I just sending occasional messages back and forth cannot replace what we are doing right now.
0: Yeah, right.
2: You know? someone i barely know who is following me on twitter or facebook or whatever is not somebody who's going to come over and mow my lawn and give me a hand if something goes wrong in my life right that you have to have this separation as as much as uh, as i said as much as these things are bringing us together they're also building walls oh, yeah. it's okay for us to, to to just interact electronically
0: oh they're creating emotional voids is what they're doing I the, the latest uh, couple of jobs I've, well the, my last job that I had working in a in cubicle heaven um, basically uh, was void of any emotion if you showed emotion or God forbid you made a friend then they would separate you. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. and wow. it was it was chronic it was really weird and i saw it in three different office jobs that i've had in the past like 15 years and yeah. uh it's very sad and I, I don't want any part of it tell you the truth as far as that that part of uh today i guess you know it's, it's really a shame but you know you, you also shut down and turn off you know i know where my friends are and they come on here with me like you and and uh, then, <laughs> then there's something else too. this um, <laughs> going back to, I'm going to age us once again. Uh, when I when I when I say, uh, <laughs> "Have it your way," what comes to mind?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what, what comes to mind?
2: <laughs> Burger King. <laughs> okay. All
0: right. Well, that's. I, I want to end on a, on a happy note here, because uh, and you'll have to listen to the episode before this, because we covered some local commercials. Well, there's okay. a bur- There's a, there's the Burger King here. I should say this. There is what appears to be a Burger King, but it's actually an underground burger joint disguising itself as another burger joint. (laughs) (laughs) This is an amazingly funny story and it's still developing, but what happened was, I guess the lease was up on this Burger King in the south side of Pittsburgh, and um, it's been there forever. And people were still going to it, even though somebody had bought the property and decided to start making their own food using wrappers of Burger King and cups, and the people were wearing the freaking uniforms of Burger King workers. Oh my but god. When people would get in the car, they show people, they show them like, this is not a Burger King apple pie. <laughs> this, this is not the Italian sandwich. And then some security guy comes up into the camp, the news guy's face is like, you gotta get out of here. <laughs> like, like, what are you guys trying to pull? This is the most ridiculous story I've seen in a long time.
2: You know what that reminds me of? And again, there <laughs> we go, aging, coming to America.
0: Oh, yeah. Big, yeah. big
2: dowels instead of McDonald's. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> Practically got the same logo. Yes. They have the Big Mac, we have the Big Mac. I mean,
0: <laughs> well, there, there was an update on this today. They're like, well, now... <laughs> by popular demand, the Burger King is back and they got rid of the fake people making their own burgers. I guess they bought it back from these people, but oh, they figured because they're paying a $1,000 a month for rent or probably more than that, they just decided to walk in and start cooking stuff that wasn't Burger King's. <laughs> 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 it's a funny story. I mean, there's been a few. Uh, uh, give the show uh, the one prior to this one and uh, listen. It's up right now still. Thank As you. always, uh, and, and always, you know, even though I put down Twitter, I'm on Twitter at Fairly Dark. Uh, Paul, you want to plug yourself there,
2: uh, yes, you, you, you can find me uh, on 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 Facebook. You can find my book, uh, Twisted Tumbleweed Tales, uh, both uh, physical edition, and you can get an ebook edition. It's available through all your regular outlets, your Amazons and your Barnes and Nobles, and uh, it's a great in my opinion great collection of uh, <laughs> it is it is short stories that take place <laughs> in the old west that have elements of science fiction fantasy and horror again it's called twisted tumbleweed tales and it's a uh, it's a fun book so I feel yeah. like having something that's a little different from uh, you know the normal
0: definitely and fantasy. if Check anybody was going to combine those elements for a book it would be paul worgelin cuz again i grew up i saw where all this stuff came from From, you know, Hex, you know, going from Hex to Clint Eastwood to uh, zombies, you know. It's just something that you've always been into. And if you can combine them all, yeah, you'd be the one to do it. Um, (laughs) Horror, sci-fi, and Western, yeah, I would definitely. As a matter of fact, a couple of my listeners did pick it up and told me they liked it a lot. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, David's listeners. Yeah, Michelle, Michelle Knapp being one of them, another fellow Long Islander. Um, oh, glad yeah. you
2: enjoyed them
0: yes indeed uh, she went to well, I won't say where she went we'll get into that another time but yeah you can look her up too oh, my friends <laughs> she's a great she's, she's another one good writer really good writer Michelle Knapp um, nice. Michelle Knapp Oster I should say you know you get used to the maiden names and <laughs> these people do get married <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> alright so um, I'm gonna, we're going to play a little Shutter down bring the silence to end the show uh, Paul if you have anything else you want to throw out there um, otherwise I think next time I have you on we're going to talk a little bit about the Beatles
2: yeah, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it And uh, thank you again for having me oh, uh, As always And uh, Sorry it's been so long since we last chatted oh, no It's problem. been a rough winter As I'm sure everyone around the country knows oh, yeah. and, uh, Between shoveling and, and a chronic cough That's been going on for uh, weeks Yeah, everybody's got something <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> And it's, I it's,
0: I try bringing it's, up a puppy in the snow um, Not the best time to break him in potty training But Miss Jet I, is I she,
2: can imagine yeah. uh, She's doing good the advantage of having a cat, you know, <laughs> he just kind of looks out the window and I ain't going out there and <laughs> run to his little cat and it's like, you know, clean it out, monkey boy, you
0: know. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, for all you cat lovers out there.
2: All right. So
0: I guess we'll sign off here and uh, I'm going to play a little shutter down. This is Bring the Silence. Thanks
2: a lot, Paul. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me.
3: I have some new jello, okay? (laughs) Okay, well, that settles that.
2: Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm Peter.